invite with you to turn with me now to Exodus chapter 20, where we'll find the fifth commandment. And then if you also want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we'll read four verses from Paul's letter to the Ephesians there. Before we do that, I'll I just remind you briefly of where we are in our study through Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. We began this series by saying that God gives to us these commandments in order to drive us to Jesus, um, to expose our need so that we would run to Him for mercy and grace. But we also said that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ sets us free, sets us free from our slavery to sin, to return to these commandments, to really see how God desires for His freed people to live. And so we looked at the first four commandments, and hopefully what we saw there was God telling us how it is that we are to love Him. But in the fifth commandment, our focus shifts, and the rest of the commands deal with how we are to love our neighbors. And where does God begin when He calls us to love our neighbors? He begins in the home of all places. He begins with the family. It may be a little bit difficult this morning, but hopefully we will see this morning how this command addresses all of us in this room when it calls for us to honor our fathers and our mothers. So let's read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, in the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him now and ask for his help. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we admit and confess that we need to hear your voice this morning. The voice of a mere man will not do. But your voice that calls the entire universe into existence, your voice that wakes the dead, your voice that brings about life and transformation, that is the voice we need to hear this morning. Father, you know each and every one of us. You know those of us who are burdened, with the worries of this life. Those who find themselves hard-pressed, even at times feeling completely beaten down by the brokenness of this world. You know those of us who are right now, because of circumstances in our lives, perplexed by your providence, Wondering where you are, wondering what you are doing, asking the question again and again, how long, O Lord, how long? You know those of us in this room who come this morning who have serious doubts and who are skeptical of the truth of your word and the truth of your gospel, wondering if this good news is and can be true for them. And still you know those of us who come this morning and right now we are blessed to feel as though we have never walked more closely with you than we are right now in our lives. Father, we all come from different places and you know that. You know us individually. But you also know that we need this morning to see our sin and to see Jesus. We pray that your 
Spirit would guide us as we talk about your word, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to it. That in doing so, you would remind us yet again that we are far more sinful than than we could even really imagine about ourselves. And yet at the same time, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are far more loved and secure and accepted than we could have ever dreamed possible. Father, open our eyes to see our sin, but do not leave us there. We pray that you would take us to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, in whose name we do pray. Amen. You know, by watching uh, your television, you can, I think, learn a lot about your culture and, and yourself. You know, you turn on the TV and you may see a few commercials out there encouraging you to make good decisions in life. Um, You see these commercials from time to time, these anti-drug commercials, these commercials aimed at abstinence, the ones that tell you to stay in school, the commercials urging you to get involved in the political process and vote and all these different things. But I wonder if you've ever noticed how all of those commercials always try to get across their point. You know, they'll spotlight star athletes or famous actors and actresses. Um, Maybe they'll even use humor to convey their message, or perhaps they'll go so far as to pile up a bunch of statistics for you. What's interesting to me is that they always avoid saying, this or that is right and this or that is wrong. And I think this is the reason why. It is because the people making those commercials, they know us. And they have to make it look fun. They have to make it look popular to do or not to do certain things. Or they try to prove some self-centered gain that can be yours if you follow their advice. But, But listen, if they ever came out and said, this is wrong and this is right, they know what would happen. We wouldn't listen. We'd change the channel. We, ha- we do not want anyone telling us what to do. We have huge problems with authority and how to live under authority today. But let me tell you what you're going to say to this. You're going to say, not me. I'm fine with authority as long as I agree with it. In the end, we hold out to be our own authority. We say, well, the problem isn't me. The problem lies in the authority. And so I can't, you know, I obviously can't honor an unreasonable boss or an employer. I I can't honor a ridiculous teacher, uh, a parent who doesn't understand, a political leader I disagree with. But the Bible says again and again throughout that the problem is us when it comes to authority. All of us in this room have had a problem with authority since the fall. I mean, when God gave man and woman this command in the garden not to eat the fruit of this one tree, this is what they said. No, thank you. We'll be our own gods. You know, we'll make our own decisions. No one's going to tell us how to live our lives. And there in the garden, they threw up their fist against the perfect authority. And all of us in this room inherited our sin natures from them. You see, you can't even blame this on another generation. If you agree with what the Bible says about the nature of sin, this is an us problem. And in the fifth commandment, God commands us to honor authority. And God says it begins in the home. And there is a reason God says that it begins with honoring your father and your mother because It is in the home that you learn to live under authority everywhere else. And the home is far more important than we tend to think. So let's begin with what it means to honor. We aren't going to make it very far unless we understand what it actually means to honor our parents. Whatever it means to honor, the Bible is saying this is what our parents deserve. And they deserve honor, the Bible is saying, simply because they are our parents. Some of you in this room, you grew up with bad parents and wicked parents, and they failed you in a number of ways. And some of you had mothers and fathers who left scars all over you. And we'll deal with that in a moment. 
But for now, I want you to see that the way you honor God is by honoring the parents he gave you, whoever they are. So what is this honor thing? You know, when it comes to your parents, God doesn't always command you to love your parents. He doesn't always command you to obey your parents. For instance, if a parent tells you to disobey God, obviously you must not obey them. Love and obedience, I would say this, are very often involved in honoring our parents, but the Bible doesn't always command you to do these things. What the Bible does is always command you to honor them no matter how young or old you are. The word that's used um, for honor is the Hebrew word kavod. It's the word that we would also translate uh, weight or glory. I know that may sound strange at first to some of you. So what, what's the connection here? You see, to honor something or to honor someone is to give it weight. I mean, you've heard people say this in everyday language before. You know, people that say, you know, you don't give me one ounce of respect. What they're saying is, treat me like I'm important, like I have weight and like I matter. God is saying your parents are to have a weight of importance in your life. Treat your parents like they matter. This is extremely hard for us, I think, because we tend to value the very opposite of what this command is saying. We don't live in a culture that values its elders, We live in a culture of youth, and parents of all people are treated with very little significance and worth in our culture. The American goal is not grow old. The American goal is stay as young as you can for as long as possible, because that's what carries weight with us. You know, back to the TV, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a sitcom where children respect their parents. I have never seen it, and I've been watching a lot of TV. We live in a culture, thank you for that laugh, Um, we live in a culture of youth. And so parents, you know, as authority figures, they're always made to seem out of touch, ridiculous, foolish. At best, parents are portrayed as a nuisance to be endured. What matters to us in this culture is the next generation and not the last generation. Parents are not given weight, yet God is telling you to understand that their position in your life demands that you treat them like they matter. You know, this is a hard point, I think, to illustrate, and the best I think I can do is this. You know, we may have trouble giving weight and significance to our parents and others in authority, but in America, we know what it is to give weight to a person. We do that with our celebrities. Powerful and famous people, actors and athletes and others. How do you act when you meet someone that's famous? How do you act around someone who's famous? Right after I moved to Memphis, I met Andy Roddick, a a famous tennis player at the Blue Plate Cafe um, on Poplar. And I told some of you about this story. But, you know, I talked with him for a a, a very short while and I got his autograph and I left and you know, when I left, as soon as I walked out uh, of, of the place, I, I started replaying what happened in my mind, you know. And why did I say this? Why did I say that? He must think I'm crazy, you know. Why did I introduce myself to him? I mean, he doesn't care who I am. Um, you know, I should have had some paper or maybe even a pen when I actually asked him for his autograph. That would have been nice. I probably shouldn't have stolen a Blue Plate Cafe menu right in front of him in order to get his autograph. Um, but, you know, it's not the Eighth Commandment yet. We'll deal with that later. But, you know, what, um, what I think is even most humorous about this is that here's this guy. He's this famous tennis player. And I do not care about tennis. <laughs> I don't even understand the rules of the game. I've never watched a game or a match or whatever. I don't know anything about it, but here I am trying to wonder if I've impressed him. (laughs) You know, why did I act the fool in front of him? Because of his fame, I put him on a pedestal. I treated him with weight. I was concerned about how I acted in front of him. And my simple point is this. Everything changes. You change. When you realize you are around someone important, it gives you a completely different perspective. You see, we tend to think our parents don't matter, and God is saying that they matter in the most basic, fundamental, foundational sense. They are the ones who are to be on the pedestal. 
Treat them with weightiness, God is saying, with significance and with importance. Well, second, this leads us straight into this. We need to see why we must honor our parents. And here we need to see how incredibly important the home is. When we hear the word home, I think we typically, it immediately springs into our, our, our minds a, a picture. And that picture is usually of a house, you know. Maybe it's a house that we dream of owning one day. You know, a, a nice house, the right neighborhood, a, a beautiful view out the kitchen window and... Um, you know, a big yard and all that kind of stuff, fireplace. But let me just say this as plainly as I can. Jesus just does not care about that. I mean, he does not care what color you paint your house. And he doesn't care how big your yard is. What he cares about is something else. He cares about the home, and the home is not brick, and it is not wood, and it is not 12-foot ceilings. The home, according to God, is people. The home is a place of relationships. Here's the deal. God intends for the home to be absolutely fundamental in our lives. Some of you I know have wrestled with this, and you've begun to see how weighty and fundamental that relationship of a parent and a child is because of this. You know that no one has affected you as deeply as your parents, both for good and for bad. By their words and by their actions, they taught you what to value in life. They showed you what God is like. They shaped you in the most significant ways. God intends that the home be fundamental in the best way possible for children. You see, the home is where kids are meant to learn security, where they are meant to learn boundaries. In that relationship, kids are meant to learn unconditional love. It's in the home that God is supposed to be known and familiar. In the Ephesians passage, Paul doesn't just write to children. He also writes to parents and he tells them to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord because he understands That the family is the fundamental place for children to learn of God's glory, of His grace, of His mercy, of His forgiveness, of His holiness. You know, I know that those things have not been taught well in all our homes. But for now, you need to see that that is why the home is important and why it's important to God. God commands you to learn authority in the home. You see, if you cannot honor your parents... You will not honor God. If all you care about is freedom from your parents' authority, all you will care about and all you will want is freedom from God's authority. If you can't treat your parents with a certain weightiness, you will never treat God with weightiness. Do not fool yourself in that. Don't listen to this command and ignore what God says because it will wreck your life at the very foundation. And parents, if you do not take care to model godly authority in your home, you will hurt your children in the most profound ways possible. You may think I'm speaking a little bit over the top, I don't know, but I want you to listen to a few verses from Romans chapter 1, a familiar chapter in the Bible. Here you have a description of people who hate God. Okay? He writes this, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I've read that a number of times, and I, st- and I, th- I remember thinking, how did that sneak in there? <laughs> Disobey their parents. In a description of people who hate God, a list about evil, deceit, ruthlessness, murder, faithlessness, and God-haters, and right in the middle of it <laughs> is a description of people who hate God. God says they disobey their parents. That's how fundamental this command is. You cannot expect to be able to treat your parents like they don't matter and then turn around and treat God like he does matter. It doesn't work like that. You know, occasionally I'll I'll watch the Discovery Channel, one of the... man, this is a TV-filled sermon. Sorry about that. Um, I just realized that. Um, But I saw this 
documentary once uh, about um, buildings being demolished and destroyed uh, in order to build other buildings in their place. And so, um, you know, there's this building in the middle of the city, and it's like 50 stories high or something. This is a huge, tall building. And, uh, and so they went in with their demolition crew, and you've seen this before, you know, at some point, I'm sure. They loaded up the foundation with dynamite and, uh, and explosives, and they blew the thing up. And when they set that charge off, the whole thing came crashing down in on itself. They took out the foundation, and the whole thing was leveled, dust and debris everywhere. In the Old Testament, you know, they stoned children who disobeyed their parents, who did not honor their parents. In the very next chapter in Exodus, chapter 21, it says this, anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Does that sound a little harsh, maybe? Um, You know, of course we'd say, well, that was Israel and we don't do that anymore. But my question is this, why is God so serious about this command? Because dishonoring your parents It's not just a sin against your parents. It is a sin against the entire community. Because the home is foundational to everything. A collapse in the home spells destruction everywhere else and for everyone else. Destroy the home and you destroy society altogether. And it will come crashing in on itself. That's why we need to take it seriously. But we also need to take it seriously for the same foundational reasons positively, right? The positive side of this is that this, is, this command is the first one that comes with a promise. We'll talk about honor your father and mother after this. Um, my son. Um, anyway, um, honor your parents and you will reap, you will reap the benefits that are far-reaching, right? This is the promise that comes with this command, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life in the earth. You know, Jonathan Edwards, this famous preacher in the 1700s, you know, the guy that preached the famous sermon, I guess it's what he's most famous for, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He was a godly man with a godly family. George Whitfield, he came and he visited him. And he said, George Whitfield said that he never wanted to get married until he stayed one night with Jonathan Edwards and his family. And he found a home where God was honored and where mother and father were honored. Some of you are familiar with these statistics, but someone took the time to compare Edwards' family family tree with someone else that Edwards went to school with. And this man that they compared uh, his, um, his ancestry with, this other man, he that grew up with Edwards in the same time frame, he shot someone. He went to jail and he got out and he actually got married. And they trace seven generations. Only The only people who stayed married in that family were the original parents. Half of his this guy's descendants were alcoholics. One man went on a rampage and killed 20 people. Edwards' family was traced for seven generations. 21 college presidents, 42 college professors, six state senators, one U.S. president, mayors, and school teachers galore. God works through the family. He loves the home. He blesses the homes that honor him. It, It is absolutely fundamental. The home and not the house is what God cares about. That place... God cares about is the place where relationships are practiced and learned, where authority is learned and honored. And finally, I'm going to end by just talking about how we honor our parents. There are many more ways, but I'm going to suggest to you four ways that I think we can honor our parents. First, you honor your parents with respect. Respect for parents, according to the Bible, is based on respect for God. He is the one who gave you those parents. Whether or not you live with your parents now or not, or your parents are 90 right now, it doesn't matter. Their position in your life demands your respect. How do you talk about your parents? Do you, talk, do you even talk to them? Do you talk to them regularly? Do you show them respect in the way you address them? Do, do, you, show, do you show them respect even when you disagree with them? Do you roll your eyes at them? 
How do you talk about your parents to others? Do you damage their character when you talk about them? What about listening to your parents? Young and old ought to respect their parents by seeking their advice and talking and listening to them. Second, you honor your parents by growing up. Now listen, this isn't entirely about age here because you and I know that advanced age does not necessarily mean advanced maturity in life. Our parents raised us so that we would grow up. And when you refuse to grow up, when you refuse to mature, you dishonor everything that they have done in your life. And I think for some of you, this is exactly what this command means most. That you need to honor your parents by becoming a mature man or woman now. Third, you are to care for your parents. When you treat your parents like they matter, it involves caring for them. How often do you find yourself thinking, what can I do for my parents? Do you care for them in practical ways and serve them, or do you just hope to be served by them? Here's some practical things. Call your parents on their birthdays and their anniversaries. Because I'm a betting man, and I would bet that they remembered most of yours. Call your parents and tell them that you love them. Pray for your parents. There are real and significant challenges. We all know this to growing old in a world that is broken by sin. And you need to think about how you will care for your parents when they are old. Jesus, you know, he often had... He often had run-ins with the Pharisees. No secret in that, right? One of those big run-ins that he had was with these guys who came giving their money to the church. And they weren't taking care of their parents. Jesus was furious with them. You can read it in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus cares more about you taking care of your parents than he does about you giving money to this church. This is a huge deal for us in this culture. Finally, I'm, I'm going to say one other thing as a suggestion of how to honor your parents. You honor your parents when you forgive your parents. You see, the reality is that all of us, we, when we come into adulthood, we come into adulthood feeling like, in some way, we were not loved rightly. Just listen to this quote I, I came across. This author says, Obeying the fifth commandment will always involve problems. Even though we have written very positively about authority, we are aware that tremendous pain can arise because of authority. Look, we've talked this morning about the importance of the home. God intended to be the, pl- the home to be the place where you learned about love and security, where you learned about boundaries and all these things, where you learned about mercy and grace and God's infinite glory. And every single one of our parents failed us here. They did not do it perfectly. Some parents did a much better job of this than others. I understand that. But all of our parents have failed. And some of you, I think, have been hurt so badly that you can barely express it with words. Those wounds do not heal easily. And I understand that. They are significant and they are deep precisely because that relationship is so foundational. And sometimes it feels like the only way to possibly cope with it and deal with it is through bitterness. But you will never move past the baggage. You will never find healing for the wounds they inflicted upon you if you do not forgive them. Honor your parents by showing them grace. When you see the wounds they inflicted, you must forgive them. That's how you honor them. Okay, so... How do you do the how-tos, right? Okay, I listed four of them here, and there are many more. But how do you actually do them? You do it by learning that God is your Father. You know, you learn that the God of the universe forgave you and welcomed you into his family. You know, Jesus did something incredibly edgy in his day. And it just doesn't sound edgy to us because we're so used to it. And and that's a shame. But what he did was he said that because of him and his work, you and I could call on God and we could call him Abba, Father. And you see, the Jews, they were extremely offended by this when he said stuff like that. I mean, because to to, to call God Father was to suggest... 
that you could maybe get close to God and that he could be familiar to you and you could be familiar to him. And that's exactly what Jesus intended when he said it. There's this passage in Galatians, and maybe we should have read it, but you can read it on your own, chapters 3 and 4 of Galatians, where where Paul writes and he says, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And in that section, this is basically what Paul says. He says this, God wanted you. Not so he could keep you at arm's length, but so that he could call you his son or his daughter. And so he sent Jesus to purchase you. And he did it on a cross. And because of that, God says, you call me father. You know, though all our earthly parents fail us in some way, Paul is saying there is one perfect father that we can all have through Jesus. And when that glorious good news, that wonderful news, when it breaks on you and you realize that you are a son or a daughter of the true and living God, that is when you will find freedom to honor the parents God gave you, to treat them with respect, to care for them, even to forgive them for all their hurts, to honor your parents, you see, You have to look past your earthly parents to treat them with weight and significance and importance in life. You have to look past them to a cross where Jesus purchased you and you became the children of the true and living God through his blood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask that you would forgive us, that you would forgive our many sins. We have often rebelled against those you have placed in authority over us. We have not loved the parents you have given to us well. We have not cared for them, respected them, or forgiven them in ways that we should. And we do pray this morning that the wonderful good news of the gospel would break upon us. And that in doing so, it would melt our hearts. That it would change our motives. That it would cause us to honor the parents you gave us. Because we recognize that we are the children of of the living God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite with you to turn with me now to Exodus chapter 20 where we'll find the fifth commandment. And then if you also want to turn to Ephesians Chapter 6, we'll read four verses from Paul's letter to the Ephesians there. Before we do that, I'll I just remind you briefly of where we are in our study through Exodus chapter 20 and the Ten Commandments. We began this series by saying that God gives to us these commandments in order to drive us to Jesus, um, to expose our need so that we would run to Him for mercy and grace. But we also said that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ sets us free, sets us free from our slavery to sin, to return to these commandments, to really see how God desires for his freed people to live. And so we looked at the first four commandments and hopefully what we saw there was God telling us how it is that we are to love him. But in the fifth commandment, our focus shifts, and the rest of the commands deal with how we are to love our neighbors. And where does God begin when he calls us to love our neighbors? He begins in the home of all places. He begins with the family. It may be a little bit difficult this morning, but hopefully we will see this morning how this command addresses all of us in this room when it calls for us to honor our fathers and our mothers. So let's read from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, in the fifth commandment. 
Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go before him now and ask for his help. Heavenly Father, we come before you now and we admit and confess that we need to hear your voice this morning. The voice of a mere man will not do, but your voice that calls the entire universe into existence, your voice that wakes the dead, your voice that brings about life and transformation, that is the voice we need to hear this morning. Father, you know each and every one of us. You know those of us who are burdened with the worries of this life. Those who find themselves hard-pressed, even at times feeling completely beaten down by the brokenness of this world. You know those of us who are right now because of circumstances in our lives perplexed by your providence, wondering where you are, wondering what you are doing, asking the question again and again, how long, O Lord, how long? You know those of us in this room who come this morning who have serious doubts, and who are skeptical of the truth of your word and the truth of your gospel, wondering if this good news is and can be true for them. And still you know those of us who come this morning and right now we are blessed to feel as though we have never walked more closely with you than we are right now in our lives. Father, we all come from different places, and you know that. You know us individually, but you also know that we need this morning to see our sin and to see Jesus. We pray that your Spirit would guide us as we talk about your word, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our hearts to it. That in doing so, you would remind us yet again that we are far more sinful than than we could even really imagine about ourselves. And yet at the same time, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are far more loved and secure and accepted than we could have ever dreamed possible. Father, open our eyes to see our sin, but do not leave us there. We pray that you would take us to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, in whose name we do pray. Amen. You know, by watching uh, your television, you can, I think, learn a lot about your culture and, and yourself. You know, you turn on the TV and you may see a few commercials out there encouraging you to make good decisions in life. Um, You see these commercials from time to time, these anti-drug commercials, these commercials aimed at abstinence, the ones that tell you to stay in school, the commercials urging you to get involved in the political process and vote and all these different things. But I wonder if you've ever noticed how all of those commercials always try to get across their point. You know, they'll spotlight star athletes or famous actors and actresses. Um, Maybe they'll even use humor to convey their message, or perhaps they'll go so far as to pile up a bunch of statistics for you. What's interesting to me is that they always avoid saying, this or that is right, 
and this or that is wrong. And I think this is the reason why. It is because the people making those commercials, they know us. And they have to make it look fun. They have to make it look popular to do or not to do certain things. Or they try to prove some self-centered gain that can be yours if you follow their advice. But, But listen, if they ever came out and said, this is wrong and this is right, they know what would happen. We wouldn't listen. We'd change the channel. We, ha- we do not want anyone telling us what to do. We have huge problems with authority and how to live under authority today. But let me tell you what you're going to say to this. You're going to say, not me. I'm fine with authority as long as I agree with it. In the end, we hold out to be our own authority. We say, well, the problem isn't me. The problem lies in the authority. And so I can't, you know, I obviously can't honor an unreasonable boss or an employer. I I can't honor a ridiculous teacher, uh, a parent who doesn't understand, a political leader I disagree with. But the Bible says again and again throughout that the problem is us when it comes to authority. All of us in this room have had a problem with authority since the fall. I mean, when God gave man and woman this command in the garden not to eat the fruit of this one tree, this is what they said. No, thank you. We'll be our own gods. You know, we'll make our own decisions. No one's going to tell us how to live our lives. And there in the garden, they threw up their fist against the perfect authority. And all of us in this room inherited our sin natures from them. You see, you can't even blame this on another generation. If you agree with what the Bible says about the nature of sin, this is an us problem. And in the fifth commandment, God commands us to honor authority. And God says it begins in the home. And there is a reason God says that it begins with honoring your father and your mother because It is in the home that you learn to live under authority everywhere else. And the home is far more important than we tend to think. So let's begin with what it means to honor. We aren't going to make it very far unless we understand what it actually means to honor our parents. Whatever it means to honor, the Bible is saying this is what our parents deserve. And they deserve honor, the Bible is saying, simply because they are our parents. Some of you in this room, you grew up with bad parents and wicked parents, and they failed you in a number of ways. And some of you had mothers and fathers who left scars all over you. And we'll deal with that in a moment. But for now, I want you to see that the way you honor God is by honoring the parents he gave you, whoever they are. So what is this honor thing? You know, when it comes to your parents, God doesn't always command you to love your parents. He doesn't always command you to obey your parents. For instance, if a parent tells you to disobey God, obviously you must not obey them. Love and obedience, I would say this, are very often involved in honoring our parents, but the Bible doesn't always command you to do these things. What the Bible does is always command you to honor them no matter how young or old you are. The word that's used um, for honor is the Hebrew word kavod. It's the word that we would also translate uh, weight or glory. I know that may sound strange at first to some of you. So what's the connection here? You see, to honor something or to honor someone is to give it weight. I mean, you've heard people say this in everyday language before. You know, people that say, you know, you don't give me one ounce of respect. What they're saying is, treat me like I'm important, like I have weight and like I matter. God is saying your parents are to have a weight of importance in your life. Treat your parents like they matter. This is extremely hard for us, I think, because we tend to value the very opposite of what this command is saying. We don't live in a culture that values its elders, We live in a culture of youth, and parents of all people are treated with very little significance and worth in our culture. The American goal is not grow old. 
The American goal is stay as young as you can for as long as possible. Because that's what carries weight with us. You know, back to the TV, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen a sitcom where children respect their parents. I have never seen it. And I've been watching a lot of TV. (laughs) We live in a culture. Thank you for that laugh. um, We live in a culture of youth. And so parents, you know, as authority figures, they're always made to seem out of touch, ridiculous, foolish. At best, parents are portrayed as a nuisance to be endured. What matters to us in this culture is the next generation and not the last generation. Parents are not given weight. Yet God is telling you to understand that their position in your life demands that you treat them like they matter. You know, this is a hard point, I think, to illustrate. And the best I think I can do is this. You know, we may have trouble giving weight and significance to our parents and others in authority. But in America, we know what it is to give weight to a person. We do that with our celebrities. Powerful and famous people, actors and athletes and others. How do you act when you meet someone that's famous? How do you act around someone who's famous? Right after I moved to Memphis, I met Andy Roddick, a a famous tennis player at the Blue Plate Cafe um, on Poplar. And I told some of you about this story. But, you know, I talked with him for a a, a very short while and I got his autograph and I left and you know, when I left, as soon as I walked out uh, of, of the place, I, I started replaying what happened in my mind, you know. And why did I say this? Why did I say that? He must think I'm crazy, you know. Why did I introduce myself to him? I mean, he doesn't care who I am. Um, you know, I should have had some paper or maybe even a pen when I actually asked him for his autograph. That would have been nice. I probably shouldn't have stolen a Blue Plate Cafe menu right in front of him in order to get his autograph. Um, but, you know, it's not the Eighth Commandment yet. We'll deal with that later. But, you know, what, um, what I think is even most humorous about this is that here's this guy. He's this famous tennis player. And I do not care about tennis. <laughs> I don't even understand the rules of the game. I've never watched a game or a match or whatever. I don't know anything about it, but here I am trying to wonder if I've impressed him. (laughs) You know, why did I act the fool in front of him? Because of his fame, I put him on a pedestal. I treated him with weight. I was concerned about how I acted in front of him. And my simple point is this. Everything changes. You change. When you realize you are around someone important, it gives you a completely different perspective. You see, we tend to think our parents don't matter, and God is saying that they matter in the most basic, fundamental, foundational sense. They are the ones who are to be on the pedestal. Treat them with weightiness, God is saying, with significance and with importance. Well, second, this leads us straight into this. We need to see why we must honor our parents, and here we need to see how incredibly important the home is. When we hear the word home, I think we typically... It immediately springs into our, our, our minds a, a picture. And that picture is usually of a house, you know. Maybe it's a house that we dream of owning one day, you know, a, a nice house, the right neighborhood, a, a beautiful view out the kitchen window, and, um, you know, a big yard and all that kind of stuff, fireplace. But let me just say this as plainly as I can Jesus just does not care about that. I mean, he does not care what color you paint your house. And he doesn't care how big your yard is. What he cares about is something else. He cares about the home, and the home is not brick, and it is not wood, and it is not 12-foot ceilings. The home, according to God, is people. The home is a place of relationships. Here's the deal. God intends for the home to be absolutely fundamental in our lives. Some of you I know have wrestled with this. And you've begun to see how weighty and fundamental that relationship of a parent and a child is because of this. You know that no one has affected you as deeply as your parents, both for good and for bad. By their words and by their actions, they taught you what to value in life. They showed you what God is like. They shaped you in the most significant ways. 
God intends that the home be fundamental in the best way possible for children. You see, the home is where kids are meant to learn security, where they are meant to learn boundaries. In that relationship, kids are meant to learn unconditional love. It's in the home that God is supposed to be known and familiar. In the Ephesians passage, Paul doesn't just write to children. He also writes to parents and he tells them to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord because he understands that the family is the fundamental place for children to learn of God's glory, of his grace, of his mercy, of his forgiveness, of his holiness. You know, I know that those things have not been taught well in all our homes. But for now, you need to see that that is why the home is important and why it's important to God. God commands you to learn authority in the home. You see, if you cannot honor your parents, you will not honor God. If all you care about is freedom from your parents' authority, all you will care about and all you will want is freedom from God's authority. If you can't treat your parents with a certain weightiness, you will never treat God with weightiness. Do not fool yourself in that. Don't listen to this command and ignore what God says because it will wreck your life at the very foundation. And parents, if you do not take care to model godly authority in your home, you will hurt your children in the most profound ways possible. You may think I'm speaking a little bit over the top, I don't know. But I want you to listen to a few verses from Romans chapter 1, a familiar chapter in the Bible. Here you have a description of people who hate God. Okay? He writes this, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They, They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I've read that a number of times, and I, st- and I, th- I remember thinking, how did that sneak in there? <laughs> disobey their parents. In a description of people who hate God, a list about evil, deceit, ruthlessness, murder, faithlessness, and God-haters. And right in the middle of it is a description of people who hate God. God says they disobey their parents. That's how fundamental this command is. You cannot expect to be able to treat your parents like they don't matter and then turn around and treat God like he does matter. It doesn't work like that. You know, occasionally I'll, I'll watch the Discovery Channel, one of the... I oh mean, this is a TV-filled sermon. Sorry about that. Um, I just realized that. Um, but I saw this documentary once uh, uh, about um, buildings being demolished and destroyed uh, in order to build other buildings in their place. And so, um, you know, they, there's this building in the middle of the city, and it's like 50 stories high or something. This is a huge, tall building. And, uh, and so they went in with their demolition crew. And you've seen this before, you know, at some point, I'm sure. They loaded up the foundation with dynamite and, uh, and explosives, and they blew the thing up. And when they set that charge off, the whole thing came crashing down in on itself. They took out the foundation, and the whole thing was leveled, dust and debris everywhere. In the Old Testament, you know, they stoned children who disobeyed their parents, who did not honor their parents. In the very next chapter in Exodus, chapter 21, it says this, anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Does that sound a little harsh, maybe? Um, You know, of course we would say, well, that was Israel and we don't do that anymore. But my question is this, why is God so serious about this command? Because dishonoring your parents It's not just a sin against your parents. It is a sin against the entire community. Because the home is foundational to everything. A collapse in the home spells destruction everywhere else and for everyone else. Destroy the home and you destroy society altogether. And it will come crashing in on itself. 
That's why we need to take it seriously. But we also need to take it seriously for the same foundational reasons positively, right? The positive side of this is that this, is, this command is the first one that comes with a promise. We'll talk about honor your father and mother after this. Um, my son. Um, anyway, um, honor your parents and you will reap, you will reap the benefits that are far-reaching, right? This is the promise that comes with this command, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life in the earth. You know, Jonathan Edwards, this famous preacher in the 1700s, you know, the guy that preached the famous sermon, I guess it's what he's most famous for, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He was a godly man with a godly family. George Whitfield, he came and he visited him. And he said, George Whitfield said that he never wanted to get married until he stayed one night with Jonathan Edwards and his family. And he found a home where God was honored and where mother and father were honored. Some of you are familiar with these statistics, but someone took the time to compare Edwards' family family tree with someone else that Edwards went to school with. And this man that they compared uh, his, um, his ancestry with, this other man, he that grew up with Edwards in the same time frame, he shot someone. He went to jail and he got out and he actually got married. And they traced seven generations. Only The only people who stayed married in that family were the original parents. Half of his this guy's descendants were alcoholics. One man went on a rampage and killed 20 people. Edwards' family was traced for seven generations. 21 college presidents, 42 college professors, six state senators, one U.S. president, mayors, and school teachers galore. God works through the family. He loves the home. He blesses the homes that honor Him. It, It is absolutely fundamental. The home and not the house is what God cares about. That place... God cares about is the place where relationships are practiced and learned, where authority is learned and honored. Well, finally, I'm going to end by just talking about how we honor our parents. There are many more ways, but I'm going to suggest to you four ways that I think we can honor our parents. First, you honor your parents with respect. Respect for parents, according to the Bible, is based on respect for God. He is the one who gave you those parents. Whether or not you live with your parents now or not, or your parents are 90 right now, it doesn't matter. Their position in your life demands your respect. How do you talk about your parents? Do you, talk, do you even talk to them? Do you talk to them regularly? Do you show them respect in the way you address them? Do, do, you, show, do you show them respect even when you disagree with them? Do you roll your eyes at them? How do you talk about your parents to others? Do you damage their character when you talk about them? What about listening to your parents? Young and old ought to respect their parents by seeking their advice and talking and listening to them. Second, you honor your parents by growing up. Now listen, this isn't entirely about age here because you and I know that advanced age does not necessarily mean advanced maturity in life. Our parents raised us. So that we would grow up. And when you refuse to grow up, when you refuse to mature, you dishonor everything that they have done in your life. And I think for some of you, this is exactly what this command means most. That you need to honor your parents by becoming a mature man or woman now. Third, you are to care for your parents. When you treat your parents like they matter, it involves caring for them. How often do you find yourself thinking, what can I do for my parents? Do you care for them in practical ways and serve them, or do you just hope to be served by them? Here's some practical things. Call your parents on their birthdays and their anniversaries. Because I'm a betting man, and I would bet that they remembered most of yours. Call your parents and tell them that you Love them. Pray for your parents. There are real and significant challenges. We all know this to growing old in a world that is broken by sin. And you need to think about how you will care for your parents when they are old. Jesus, you know, he often had 
He often had run-ins with the Pharisees. No secret in that, right? One of those big run-ins that he had was with these guys who came giving their money to the church. And they weren't taking care of their parents. Jesus was furious with them. You can read it in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus cares more about you taking care of your parents than he does about you giving money to this church. This is a huge deal for us in this culture. Finally, I'm going to say one other thing as a suggestion of how to honor your parents. You honor your parents when you forgive your parents. You see, the reality is that all of us, when we come into adulthood, we come into adulthood feeling like, in some way, we were not loved rightly. Just listen to this quote I, I came across. This author says, Obeying the fifth commandment will always involve problems. Even though we have written very positively about authority, we are aware that tremendous pain can arise because of authority. Look, we've talked this morning about the importance of the home. God intended to be the, pl- the home to be the place where you learned about love and security, where you learned about boundaries and all these things, where you learned about mercy and grace and God's infinite glory. And every single one of our parents failed us here. They did not do it perfectly. Some parents did a much better job of this than others. I understand that. But all of our parents have failed. And some of you, I think, have been hurt so badly that you can barely express it with words. Those wounds do not heal easily. And I understand that. They are significant and they are deep precisely because that relationship is so foundational. And sometimes it feels like the only way to possibly cope with it and deal with it is through bitterness. But you will never move past the baggage. You will never find healing for the wounds they inflicted upon you if you do not forgive them. Honor your parents by showing them grace. When you see the wounds they inflicted, you must forgive them. That's how you honor them. Okay, so... How do you do the how-tos, right? Okay, I listed four of them here, and there are many more. But how do you actually do them? You do it by learning that God is your Father. You know, you learn that the God of the universe forgave you and welcomed you into his family. You know, Jesus did something incredibly edgy in his day, and it just doesn't sound edgy to us because we're so used to it, and and that's a shame. But what he did was he said that because of him and his work, you and I could call on God and we could call him Abba, Father. And you see, the Jews, they were extremely offended by this when he said stuff like that. I mean, because to to, to call God Father was to suggest that you could maybe get close to God and that he could be familiar to you and you could be familiar to him. And that's exactly what Jesus intended when he said it. There's this passage in Galatians, and maybe we should have read it, but you can read it on your own, chapters 3 and 4 of Galatians, where, where Paul writes and he says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And in that section, this is basically what Paul says. He says this, God wanted you. Not so he could keep you at arm's length, but so that he could call you his son or his daughter. And so he sent Jesus to purchase you. And he did it on a cross. And because of that, God says, you call me father. You know, Though all our earthly parents fail us in some way, Paul is saying there is one perfect father that we can all have through Jesus. And when that glorious good news, that wonderful news, when it breaks on you and you realize that you are a son or a daughter of the true and living God, that is when you will find freedom to honor the parents God gave you to treat them with respect, to care for them, even to forgive them for all their hurts. To honor your parents, you see, you have to look past your earthly parents. 
To treat them with weight and significance and importance in life, you have to look past them to a cross where Jesus purchased you and you became the children of the true and living God through his blood. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. We ask that you would forgive us, that you would forgive our many sins. We have often rebelled against those you have placed in authority over us. We have not loved the parents you have given to us well. We have not cared for them, respected them, or forgiven them in ways that we should. And we do pray this morning that the wonderful good news of the gospel would break upon us. And that in doing so, it would melt our hearts. That it would change our motives. That it would cause us to honor the parents you gave us. Because we recognize that we are the children of the living God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.